Okay. If I can have your attention, it'll be very good. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Adrian. I'll be taking us through this next bit. Uh, can you guys hear me over there? Can you hear me over there? Can you hear me over there? There we go. Okay, I wasn't around last Sunday, so Happy New Year. It's not very friendly, is it? Happy New Year. There we go. I don't know how your new year started. My new year started slightly differently. So on the 2nd, 2nd of January, uh, which was a Tuesday, at around 11 a.m., I'm at my doctor's uh, and have kind of gone with some chest pains and uh, find myself laid out on a couch with an ECG machine attached to me, thinking, age 43, I didn't think I'd be here. But that's going to be a story that I'm going to continue in a moment. So let's get back to this Sunday then. Vision Sunday. Now maybe you're new around us and you're thinking, well, what on earth is this about? Well, it's a Sunday where we do things slightly differently. Ordinarily, we kind of get the Bible and at this point open it up. We're currently in this series we've entitled Jesus Changes Everything, looking at the kind of book of Colossians, which is a letter written by Paul. However, once a year, we kind of take a moment out to kind of remind ourselves about a different perspective we're to live with. If you like, today is all about asking a question of saying, actually, why do we do what we do? Why is it we gather like this? Why is it we're part of this church called Oasis? And there are many, many other churches that we could be part of and many, many expressions of who Jesus is, which are very, very good. But for us, it's just really helpful to gain a bit of perspective and say, actually, why do we do what we do? And maybe you're new around us. Maybe you're kind of looking in and saying, well, is this the kind of bunch of people that I'd like to connect in with? Is this the kind of family I'd like to belong to? Well, my hope is that today will give you a bit more of a flavor about what we're about. Maybe you're, though, not at that point. Maybe you're more at a point of saying, well, I'm not even sure if I believe in God. I'm interested, intrigued. Maybe that question is enough for you today. Like, why do you do what you do? Because I promise you there will be a motivation as to why you do what you do. Maybe it's fundamentally to try and find the answer to that question of saying maybe there has to be more than this. Maybe it's just to earn money. Maybe it's to have that holiday in the summer. I don't know what it is. Why it is you do what you do? My hope is, though, that as you seek to ponder that question, maybe through this morning, you'll start to see that maybe you were made for something more than just a holiday or earning money. Maybe there's something that could give your life more purpose than you could ever dare to believe. And then there's a whole group of us who think, well, Adrian, man, I'm on the journey. I've been around a year Three years, five years, 15 years, 18 years. I'm a card-carrying person, been here from the beginning, Adrian. There's nothing you can't say that will surprise me. No, but it's still good to pause and gain perspective to say, why do we do what we do? See, what we've said as a family, as a community, as a church, is that ultimately we believe this. We believe that Jesus changes everything. And that kind of echoes through our lives. You see, we've come to realize that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have completely transformed how we live, both in respect to 
how we live within ourselves, how we live in relationship to God, how we live in relationship to one another and everyone else on the planet, and come to that, how we live in respect to the whole of creation, that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have transformed everything about who we are. Not only that, it's also given us this incredible hope to believe for, of recognizing that what Jesus did, what we've sung of already this morning, is that he came to reveal a life that he is the Lord, the King, the boss of. A life that isn't seeking to dominate, but rather a life that's seeking to liberate. A life that's seeking to cause anyone who lives with him as the the very core of who they are, to live lives that are saturated by his love, goodness, rightness, justice, mercy, beauty, majesty. Knowing that as we get to be invited to live into that, it's actually the destination for the whole of the universe. That one day the one who lived, died, and rose again, and now is in God's realm, that's called heaven, is going to return to this earth and cause it to be filled with God's goodness, love, rightness, justice, mercy, beauty, majesty. That's so with these people who believe that Jesus changes everything. It changes everything of who we are now with the hope we have to come. And therefore, as we live with that belief, it then causes us to live saying, we're going to give ourselves as a family to four words. Keep it pretty simple. We're going to give ourselves to loving God and loving people. We're going to give ourselves to loving God, recognizing we're those that want to center our whole being on who he is. That actually, he's one who said that he loves us more than we could dare to believe. And therefore, we realize that we're more loved than we could ever dare to imagine. And therefore, we come and we say, in, in the knowledge of how God has loved us and his benchmark for his love for you and for me was the giving of his son Jesus to live and die and rise again. And we say, actually, in the knowledge of that, we're going to be those that live centered on his love, but also with God at the very center saying, actually, everything of who I am is in love of you, God, is in celebration of who you are. That from the moment I wake to the moment I go back to sleep, I want it to be a life that's filled with this loving of who you are, God, a revealing of who you are, God, which then gives immense purpose to everything we do whether it's the jobs that we're doing or the study we're doing or the caring of children or just the, the, the want for recovery or the kind of helping out our neighbor or the uh, washing up, all of it suddenly becomes an opportunity to say, hey, in this moment, I get to love you, God. It isn't just when we gather in the morning and say, hey, let's sing some songs about how much we love God. It is that, but that then penetrates every area of our lives. That whenever we gather together, it's like this outworking of what's been going on Monday to Saturday. It's like we come back together and say, hey, we're not alone. We've all been living like this, and now we live together like it, loving God. But then we've said we're also going to love people. See, we're going to love what God loves, and God loves people. If you've come this morning and you're trying to work out who God is, well, God is like this. He loves you more than you could dare to believe. And therefore, we want to give ourselves to loving people as God loves. How does God love us? Well, he loves us revealed through Jesus. What do we see there? We see sacrifice. 
the willingness to lay down his life for us. And so in the same way, we live lives that love others by sacrificing ourselves for them. Why? How can you live like that? We don't live like it to earn something. We live like it because we realize from the moment we wake up, so you will find that I'll fidget. And because we've got steps, I'm still getting used to it. And so I kind of will jump down and up and don't worry, I won't fall off. I'll just, and as I get a bit more excited, I'll do it. And if I get any chest pains, Mike can come as a doctor and help me out. Um, See, why we love sacrificially isn't out of a sense of duty, but out of this revelation, the first part, we're more loved than we could dare to believe. I don't live in this life thinking, how can I earn more of other people's love? I rather realize, man, I am more loved than I could ever imagine. Therefore, I get to give myself into causing others to taste and see that love. So we live sacrificially. And we love sacrificially. We love with a, a, a sense of unconditional nature. See, God didn't wait for us to have something worth loving about. Isn't that suddenly we kind of got our life a bit in order and we thought, and God said, okay, now you've done that, I intervene. Now, he, he loved us when there was nothing lovable about us. When we were actually at a point of saying, God, I want nothing to do with you. And in the same way, we're to love others. To love unconditionally. To not love the ones that we find it easy to love. Not to love people who are like us. Not to love people who we think, oh, they've got something about them that is worth loving. And we love people generously, abundantly, unconditionally. Not out of who they are. But because they're worthy of love. And then the last one is we love wanting the best for individuals. God loved us in a way that wanted our best. Of recognizing that as we were living with our own life, with centered on ourself, it like caused us to live with that sense of self-destruction, of actually continuously seeking to just try and make a way, but it not quite working. And so God's love pours in in order that he can provide us the best way to live that does us good, isn't about rules that kind of causing compliance, rather saying, I invite you to life of freedom, understanding the best I have for you. Therefore, we love people by seeking the best for them. So we've said we're about loving God and loving people. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. And then what we've said is as we give ourselves to this, we're gonna put up different signposts if you like, along the journey that we're on, signposts annually that kind of give us that sense of encouragement of what God wants to say to us. I say this year you to live remembering this as you keep on this journey of knowing Jesus changes everything, therefore love God and love people. And those signposts have been arranged in many different moments. And so we have had signposts over the last 18 years, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but things like fruit that lasts, enjoying the journey, Playtime is over, centered to last year, where we felt God say, we're to live with a banner heading, a signpost of adventure. And the invitation was that, that, would, that 2017 would be a year where we'd know the adventure of knowing, of being, of doing, and of moving. And that's been our story for 2017, a, a story that if you've been around 
has been one of adventure. Maybe you've not been around. In a moment, I'll spell out some of the detail of it. But what we've discovered, for those of us who've done the year, is adventure is one that is all about the unknown. We'd have never imagined at the beginning of last year that we'd end up here. None of us. If you did, come and see me at the end, because it would have been helpful to have known that in January. <laughs> but we found that adventure is all about the unknown. It's all about a sense of courage, of being willing to pursue the unknown, knowing that actually in doing that, it can feel unsafe sometimes. It can also be painful. We've known that, haven't we? That sometimes it's felt uncomfortable. Sometimes it's felt painful. What we've realized about the adventure is also about trusting. Trusting the one that we're with. And what ultimately we realize is the adventure, with all of its highs and lows, with its pain, as well as its excitement, of its unknown, as well as the moment where you get to see something, throughout all, there's moments of just knowing joy. So within it, we've kind of spanned this journey of a year that's had all of those things that we've learned about adventure. But just to remind us about some of it. Now, if you're new here, this will help paint some of the pictures. So at the beginning of last year, I stood up on pretty much the same Sunday, but in a different venue. So at that point, we've been based on and off for 10 years at Edgebaston Cricket Ground. For those of us who are regulars, we're still, it kind of feels like a lifetime ago. It was literally a year ago. And at that point, we knew that our journey at Edgebaston Stadium, where we had both Sunday space but permanent space throughout the week, quite an unusual venue for a church, with a great partnership with the ground there, but that the journey was ending. That because of development work they had going on, they needed us to move out by the 30th of April. And so we lived knowing that part of our adventure, not the whole of our adventure, but part of our adventure was that we were going to be moving. We knew when we were moving, we just didn't know where we were moving to. And what we said is that gap between the when and the where was the adventure. I remember at that Sunday thinking, this is going to be exciting. I remember even saying, hey, let's not just believe God for just a Sunday-only venue. Why can't God provide us a home? Something that's our own. And we were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got there, but it was an adventure to get there. See, the adventure in moving taught us loads about knowing God. It taught us about knowing God, of trusting him when doors closed. When we had to trust him and say, hey, it seemed like this one building was going to be a goer, and then suddenly it just wasn't. And we were left with nowhere to move to with two weeks to go. There's those moments of just trusting God, of saying, God, what we know of you is you're good. And we also know that we're not defined by a space we meet in. We're defined by who you are and who you've created us to be. So we got to know God through it. We got to know God through the adventure of then finding this building that is the exact opposite to anything else we'd really met in before. So we've met in stadiums and arts venues. We've never met in something that actually looks more like a church to everyone else. That we've spoken of, I've spoken of, hey, what about when we get our home and it's glass-fronted? And we realize we're in a building that's full of glass. It's just different to the kind of glass I'd imagined. <laughs> and we've got to know God, that God's ways are better than our ways. 
If I'd penned out in January last year, hey, Vision 2017, adventure, we're moving to an old Methodist church, looks a bit Anglican, in Harborn. All of us have gone, mm, don't think so. Yet God knew better. God had this for us. God had got some people who were willing to buy this venue, this building, from the Methodist church when they could no longer afford to keep it. Two individuals who say, we're going to buy this and be like the custodians of this building. And they've waited for a group like us to come along and to inhabit it and bring it back to what it was meant to be. God knew that. We've learned the adventure of knowing him. We've learned the adventure of being together. You know, at the beginning of the year, I said, look, we're going on an adventure. We know we're moving. No when, not where. I tell you what, no one's going to get left behind. Here's the amazing part of the story is no one got left behind. See, this adventure of moving actually brought us closer together. It reminded us that we're not defined by where we meet, we're defined by who we are. We look out for each other, we love one another. And it's brought us together. It's brought us together through this journey of this adventure, through the suffering that we've had going on in the community. Through carrying families with us. It's probably the one that is most in mind at the moment are the Rosiers, where Jane grapples with life expectancy kind of diminishing because of cancer. And so we stand with them and we carry them with us in the adventure. We don't leave them behind. We don't also just kind of forget everything else, say let's just camp out there. No, no, we take them with us. Why? Because the adventure is about being together. Then we worked out it wasn't just moving, knowing and being, it's also about doing. The adventure of just being who we are transforms people around us. I haven't got time to tell all the stories of the transformation that's gone on in individuals' lives as they've come amongst us or of the places that have been transformed where each one of us is scattered into our workplaces, our university campuses, our schools, our streets, our communities. I, I haven't got time to talk about that. But I can tell you about some of the impact we've had together. It was shown for me just literally in the last three weeks of last year where out of the blue, I get a Christmas card from the Edgebaston Stadium management team. The chief exec and his little team of cronies. And as it drops through the door, I thought two things. One is, I don't know how many other churches get Christmas cards from the executive team of Edgebaston Stadium. Two is, how on earth did they know we'd moved here? Because we hadn't told them. And what it showed me is this, and so we dropped some stuff back to them, is that we'd impacted them so much so that we're still part of their journey. And we're so much so part of their journey that they're still following us on ours. And therefore they've been watching what's been going on for us and had found out through our website, which they had to look at pretty regularly, to see that we'd move to here. And for me, I, I felt humbled, thinking that's the kind of family, community we are, that we make that sort of difference to institutions like that. 
But then I think about, in those three weeks, could have done 52, just do three. I then think of just the conversations I've had with individuals who walk along this street. Of the individuals that have come, come through the doors. I remember that there was a Sunday, I think it was, um, just before uh, Christmas, probably Nativity Who, something like that, proper crazy Sunday. Not the kind of Sunday you want lots of guests to come. I remember on that Sunday, just hearing story after story of people coming in. Do you remember how we'd spoken about when we first got in here that we were going to create a home, a home where everyone was welcome. And there'll be some people who would be able to come in, but there'll be some people who just couldn't even feel like they were able to come through the front doors. What was amazing is that was our story come that week. With several new people come through, some who felt unable to come through the front doors and others lovingly stood outside with them until they felt ready to come in. Others who came and took a seat and then found that others came to chat to them. I was talking to a couple of neighbors who live opposite and they were saying last Sunday, and I I don't know if you were around last Sunday, I wasn't, um, but what I do know is this. They said to me, They loved the sound of our singing last Sunday. They said they couldn't help but just come out of their house and stand in the street and listen. And they said, as we were standing there listening, another of our friends came up the street and she said, what is that? And so we told her what it is. We told them about you. And they said, can I go? And they said, yeah. And then they turned to me the other evening and said, was that okay to say? Is anyone welcome? I said, definitely, everyone is welcome. See, we've known an adventure about knowing, about being, about doing, about moving. Yes, it has meant that we've moved to here, but God has taught us so much through it. Which gets us then to 2018. 2018 of what's our signpost here? See, as I said at the beginning, I found myself on the 2nd of January laid out on the doctor's couch with an ECG machine attached to my body. And at that point, as the ECG machine is attached to my body, I say to God, I get the message. And he says to me this, he says, well, I'm glad you have because it's not just for you, it's for Oasis. See, what happened is adventure comes at a cost. We can Instagram, can't we? We can show the photo of what it looks like when we're in here and I get loads of likes from one of the friends who lead church and say, oh, well done, Adrian. That's great, isn't it? Oh, you met your Christmas day, fantastic. But there's another story. There's a story that I wanted to take. It just wouldn't have been very pleasant of a photo of myself. Sorry for a graphic image here. Hopefully it won't cause nightmares. Top off. <laughs> Inappropriately shaved by a woman who was a nurse, who said she had to do it. She just did it with a blunt shave. I'm sorry, I'm still getting over it. And attached there, I'm thinking, I could take that photo. Why would, what would that photo have shown you? It's shown you this, that to get to the Instagram of here, it took a year of adventure, but a year of adventure also takes sweat, it takes energy, and it makes you, in the end, sometimes need an ECG machine. See, I hit Christmas absolutely done. Done by a sense of this has been amazing, the adventure's been exciting, but also just that sense of, but I feel spent. 
I remember kind of beating myself up, thinking, man, but you're the guy who talks about well-being. What are you doing? You haven't been very well, have you? And I thought, no, but it just needed this. It needed a pretty full-on working life to get to the point of where we are. To get to the end of the adventure just took a final sprint. But you can't maintain that. As I hit Christmas, I remember having a day off and just the adrenaline was still pumping around my body. We were in Bournemouth trying to chill out. And I remember turning to Lucy saying, I know things are bad. My body is still kind of pumping so much kind of stuff around me, adrenaline around me that I, I can't switch off. And, and in that moment, I thought, this, this needs to change. I'm in a marathon. I'm not in a long sprint. There can be sprints between markers, but it's not going to be the norm. And then I just felt like, okay, I get it. I need to change the pace of what I'm living with. And I remember talking to Luce as we kind of came back to Birmingham for New Year. And I remember saying to her, yeah, yeah I'm going to change a bit. Start work on Wednesday. I'm going to change a little bit. On the Tuesday before, I've got chronic chest pains. I've been having them for four days. I'm like, well, you know, let's push through. Lucy's like, let's ring the doctor. I go to the doctor and I'm therefore on this couch having the ECG. My heart is totally fine, by the way. Blood's totally fine. I'm not broken, but my body is done. And as I'm laying out that couch, I just felt God say, look, I've told you to slow down. And I know what your plan is from tomorrow and you're not listening. This year is about pace. And if you don't learn this one, it's going to harm you, your family, and your big family oasis. Because this year is to be a year about pace. And so I wasn't around last Sunday because I was just being obedient to God. I said, okay, God, let's do this. And so I'm a pretty quick processor. So immediately from Tuesday onwards, I'm like, okay, let's get this one. I want to get everything I can, God, to ensure that this year I'm pacing things as you want them to be. And for us this year, as a family, I want us to live knowing that our signpost is pace. And because we're in a marathon, you know, the, the journey we're on is like a marathon. It's not a, a sprinting marathon. It's a marathon that takes pace. Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians. He writes, do you not know in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. I believe this year we're to live running in such a way as to gain the price. That's what pace is all about. If we go back one, we'll come on to this in a moment. You see, we need to understand the race we're in isn't a competition. It isn't that we're competing. Sorry, I can go back one slide. Um, it isn't a competition of like, right, we're against one another. Who's going to get the prize? And this is a race in which we're all running together en masse for the same prize. We all get to win it. Therefore, it's not a competition. But it is one where we need to ensure we're running in a way that's going to be able to be kept going. And therefore, I want us to live knowing how to do that this year. And so you won't be surprised. I know some of you have seen on social media, I've already put PACE for 2018. And so you've been thinking through what's PACE going to stand for. Well, not to kind of, you know, keep you hanging. Here it is, and it is an acronym as well. And so I want us to live understanding that PACE is firstly about P, price. 
See, Paul writes there, run as to win the prize. We need to be learning continuously and challenging one another to run in a way to get the prize. The prize isn't something but someone. It's Jesus. And what a prize he is. It's one that finally we'll meet face to face one day, but one within the race that we continue to get to know. See, he is the beginning and the end. He's the bread who truly satisfies. He's the shepherd who protects and provides. He's the vine who sustains. He's the light that truly illuminates and comforts. He's the gate that provides a way. He's the friend who lays down his life out of love. He's the one who one day all will bow before, yet he will lift our heads. He's the one who is our prize. He's the one who's to steal our gaze continuously. And the thing is, it will only ever get better and better. See, I think sometimes we can think, oh yeah, we've got Jesus. Let's get on. No, no, he's enough. There's never a moment where it's Jesus and Jesus is enough. And I tell you what, one day when the whole of creation is filled with his goodness, he'll still stand alone as being better than anything else. There's this moment in uh, The Last Battle written by C.S. Lewis, which is this kind of analogy, this story that gets belittled for children, yet it's for all of us to understand something of this amazing journey of what it looks like in God's creation and God's redemption of everything. And in The Last Battle, there's this moment where one of the characters gets to see how the new earth is created and filled with God's goodness. And this is the account of it, where Lucy sees it. It says, as soon as they found themselves all working, walking together, and a great bright procession it was, up towards mountains higher than you could see in this world, even if they were there to be seen. But there was no snow on those mountains. There were forests and green slopes and sweet orchards and flashing waterfalls, one above the other, going up forever. And the lands they were walking on grew narrower, all the time with a deep valley on each side. And across that valley, the land which was the real England, England grew nearer and nearer. The lighter head was growing stronger. Lucy saw that a great series of many-colored cliffs led up in front of them like a giant staircase. And then she forgot everything else because Aslan himself was coming, leaping down from the cliff to cliff like a living cataract of power and of beauty. See, in this story, what C.S. Lucy does, he uses Aslan to reveal Jesus. And if you like, this is the pinnacle of the whole of the story. And you can get caught up in just all these other images where C.S. Lewis tries to imagine what it would be like when God gets everything as it's meant to be. But the thing that blows his mind away is one day face-to-face -face seeing Jesus. He's our prize. Question is, but what's your price? What's the prize that you're allowing to fill your gaze at the moment? What's the prize that I'm allowing to fill my gaze at the moment? This year, the call is let's run with pace, let's run with a prize that is Jesus. Let's seek to give ourselves to knowing Him. Let's give ourselves to loving Him more. Let's give ourselves to experiencing Him more. To help us do that, I want to recommend that we all read this, Christ Our Life. I've recommended it again, but I know 
that sometimes we need reminders. This is a double recommend. It must be worth reading. If you've got a number one post-it in front of you or a number two post-it in front of you, there you go. It is there. Number two, if you've got a post-it, there it is. I reckon it's probably around there. And so there it is. Please get it. I haven't got time to kind of do it. So we've got P, price. Second one, A, attitude. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. To run the race that we're on together, we have to stay focused on the prize, but it does take attitude. And the writer of Hebrews sees this, and he says, actually, there's a couple of attitudes that we're to live with. And the first attitude is that we're to live throwing off. I'm this year, and I'd actually started to do it before chest pains came. It's part of the irony of the whole thing, is that I'm doing a couch to 5K thing at the moment. So I've got an app that continually tells me, chosen Michael Johnson to coach me at this point in time. He gets me up, so later today I've got to go and do it. But as I'm doing this five kind of couch to 5k I'm also taking my dog we've got a little dog comedy dog cockapoo and he comes with me as we do our walk and a run this is a graphic image I'm going to give you but I'm going to give you because you're never going to get as I'm running learning to get back into running running away dog does his stuff conscientious dog owner so pick up stuff in a bag obviously so there I am <laughs> running along no bins I tell you what Running around with a bag of poo <laughs> is not fun. It kind of swings at you. <laughs> and as you're running with your bag of poo, people look at you funny. They look thinking, what are you doing? This is the weirdest relay I've ever seen. <laughs> How many of us are living this life running around weighed down by bags of poo? See, the writer of the Hebrew says there's a couple of bags of poo that each of us carry. One of us, he didn't use it at this analogy. He didn't realize it would be such a case. They didn't need to bag up the poo then. Um, but it's one of hindrance. See, hindrances are things that actually can be good. They can be things that are really good for us. Yet what they do is they take our gaze off who Jesus is. And before we long, the thing that's good becomes the main thing. And suddenly becomes something that weighs us down and we find ourselves carrying, thinking, whoa, trying to dodge it, trying to dodge it. Like, I, I don't know what it is for you. But what's the good thing that's maybe taking your eyes off the best thing? I take the other hindrance that's there. The other hindrance that comes is where we've been hurt or maybe where we've been Disappointed. And I tell you what, when you start to run with hurt and disappointment, it starts to weigh you down. And the encouragement this year is, let's run with pace. Let's have an attitude where we start to throw off the bags. Because I tell you what, I quickly ran to find a bin. I was not going to do the rest of my run carrying a bag of poo. My encouragement for us this year is, let's not do this year carrying our hurts and disappointments, carrying things that are good but are not the main thing. Let's be quick to bin them. Let's be quick to throw them off. 
And then he also says, let's throw off sin. What's sin? Sin is that stuff that falls short of who God is, of his best for us. I don't know what it is for you. I know what it is for me. And so it's saying, actually, I'm this year going to seek to give myself to throwing off the stuff that takes me away from your best, God. And I encourage you to do the same. And the other part of the attitude is not just throw off, but it's also persevere. Just keep going. Keep going daily of saying, I'm going to pause. I'm going to center myself again on who you are, God, and then I'm going to continue. What's amazing with Hebrews is they say, let's, let's fix our eyes on who Jesus is. Why? Because the prize is the main thing. So we've got first two, P, A, then we get to C. Last two are very quick, connect. The amazing thing with the race we're on is it's not exclusive. It's totally inclusive. That we get to continuously live in this race as we run, seeking to connect as many others into it. And I want us to be very, very liberated in our inclusion to others in this race. I want us to give ourselves as a family to knowing that we can grow. We're not limited. We've got capacity here. We've got capacity, not in terms of seats, I mean in terms of heart, to connect with more people. See, we're known as a church that's very welcoming. That's great. I like being welcoming. I want to be known as the kind of place where you can't help but be connected in. And this year, we're going to learn more and more of what it means to connect people in. And then the last one is E, is encourage. The fact we do the race together is important. And I want us to give ourselves to encouraging one another. What's encouragement? Mike, just come quickly, just because it helped me. Encouragement is this. Mike... You are absolutely amazing. (laughs) What Mike did there is he deflected what I was saying to him. You're absolutely amazing, and everyone here loves you. But more than that, God loves you more than you could dare to believe and has so many amazing things for you to do this coming year. More things than you could have ever dared to ask or imagine. And more than that, he wants to know more, you to know more of him than you could dare to imagine. And therefore, I want you to live knowing that and get on with what you're doing. That's what encouragement is. It's building someone up and pushing them further. We need to be those who are continuously running along, free of bags of poo. And as we're running along, we're getting along with someone else and we're saying, you're amazing. You're absolutely fantastic. Maybe it's on a Sunday. We're seeing someone. Maybe it's in the street during the week. And as we're running alongside, we suddenly think, this isn't now about me tripping them up. It isn't me pushing them back so I can look like I'm more ahead of them. No, the goal of this conversation is that I'm going to push them forward. So they're going ahead of me. And I'm going to keep cheering them on as they go. That's the kind of family community we're going to be. One that gives themselves to encouragement. I want us to say, get into a small group. If you're not into a small group, get into one. Why? Because that's the catalyst of how we encourage one another. So encourage us, get in one. Also, let's not just think this is just for us. We are living in a day and age where it is filled with cynicism and negativity. One of the greatest ways we can connect people to the race is by just simply encouraging. Let's give ourselves daily As Hebrews 3 says, give yourself daily to just encouraging. It's as simple as that. 
Arrive wherever you are saying, who am I going to build up and push on? So this coming year, let's give ourselves to pace. And my invitation, if you like, is to different ones of us. For some of us, is, do you need to explore more of this? Maybe you're kind of new around. Maybe you're still trying to figure out who God is. This year is a, an invitation to come along and be part of our journey in order that you can explore more what it looks like for you as an individual to live with this kind of pace in your life. But for many of us, we know that we're already on the race. Or maybe that we've come along and we say, no, no, I know Jesus, I want in. I want in with your race. I want to in with the run that you're doing. I want to run with this pace. And for us in that boat, is that we say, yeah, I'm joining in. And it always gets this uncomfortable moment on Vision Sunday. And some people kind of question, man, this is uncomfortable. Like, it's not very guest-friendly, is it, when you do this? I think it is. Because if you're a guest here, there's no expectation. If you want to join in, you can. If you don't and you want to watch and you're just in exploring, you are very, very welcome to explore. If you get to the end of this and think, I'm never coming back, I hope it's because you can find somewhere that could be home. But for many of us, this is our home. This is the journey we're on. And in a moment, I'm going to give us a moment to respond. To respond and say, hey, I'm joining in. And when it gets to this point, what I love about it is that God got me to a couch where I got an ECG kind of attached to me. I'm laughing as the nurse is doing it because I know what God's doing. And as these ECGs kind of things being done, as I'm sat there quietly allowing this whole thing to happen, is I'm saying, God, I'm up for it. I'm up for 2018 and running at your pace. And I know I'm doing this. My question is, do you want to come with us? Do you want to come with me and run like this this year? Let's stand. Just let's close our eyes. Again, this isn't like a moment of personal affirmation. It isn't like go home and think, hooray, this number of people put their hands up. Um, that's an incredibly weak position to have. Now, this is a moment where I'm just saying, what about you? I know about for me. I'm up for this. I'm already starting to live this. Do you want to join me this year to run with pace? If you do, with your eyes closed, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, just put your hand up. Uh, and then I'm going to pray for us. One, two, three, go. Jesus, I thank you for every individual response here. And I just ask now, would you come and would you meet with us? I pray, God, would you cause us to live with you at the very center of who we are? I pray, God, would you teach us more of what it means to live with pace this coming year? Would you cause us to live more lightly, to live more with you filling our gaze as the great prize you are. And I pray, God, this would be a year where actually we find we connect so many people in and yet it feels so easy. And I pray, God, that we would seek to encourage one another more than we could have ever imagined. And I pray that we'd get known increasingly as a place where people come and say, man, if you want to feel good about yourself, go around there. <laughs> I really ask that for your glory, Jesus. Amen.